Now what do I do so that I don't react, so that I'm actually not making decisions in those moments that later I'm going to regret? I can't control what the other person says to me. But you better freaking believe that I am never going to lower myself to their level. And I beg of you, if you can do this with no judgment, this is where you'll see the real growth. You can rewrite the script. How do I discover what is causing my emotional reactions? I know I'm being triggered, but I don't know why. All right, so the first thing you've already done, which is absolutely amazing, is you recognize that you're having an emotional reaction and that you're being triggered. You have no idea how huge that is. So many of us, I used to do this too. It was like you blame everyone else. Well, they said this, so of course I'm going to get upset. Well, this happened, so of course I'm going to get frustrated. Blaming everyone else for your reaction doesn't actually serve you. Yes, there's going to be so many things externally that you can't control. We all know that. But ultimately, what are the things that we can control? How you emotionally respond to something. So I just want to freaking applaud you because you already know that you're having the emotional reaction and you're getting triggered. All right, now that we know that, now you're asking the right questions. How on earth can I figure out what is actually causing this? And so what I do, my strategy is everything comes in hindsight. I wish it wasn't so, I wish I could just actually in real time figure out my emotional reactions and then figure out how I get out of them. The truth is I haven't been able to. So now the way that I approach things is I say, okay, when it happened, don't beat yourself up, big, big key. Don't beat yourself up for having the reaction. You had it. It is what it is. Now go, I just don't accept that or allow that of myself to continue. So now you're not beating yourself up, but you're saying, hey, this isn't actually the way that I want to be. This isn't the person I want to show up in being. So what am I going to do differently next time so that I don't repeat the same thing? That to me takes you from this mindset over here that it isn't serving you. Beating yourself up, repeating all the things and what you said and what you did that went wrong won't help you. It's just going to actually probably keep you emotionally right there, feeling badly about yourself. So I go, okay, that doesn't work. How do I rethink it? Okay, rethinking it is the fact of how do I learn from this? Then what I do is I actually replay the situation. I replay it when I'm emotionally sober. Now, what I say emotionally sober, I'm going to give you a bit of a definition. Right now, we all know that sometimes if you have one or two drinks of alcohol, a little too many shots, you get drunk. Then what sometimes happens is you may do things that is out of character. Sound familiar? Emotions are the same. You do things that maybe in that moment you've had a little too much of. Maybe there's too many, too many shots of anger. Maybe too many shots of being sensitive. Whatever it is. But after, in hindsight, you look back and you're like, okay, that wasn't actually me being my best self. So what I go to is how do I emotionally sober up in those moments where I'm feeling emotionally drunk? Okay, so those are the phrases that I use. Now, everything's in rewind, everything's in hindsight, right? So I rewind and replay everything that just happened. Do it when you're emotionally sober. Because if you don't, those emotions, those sorenesses, the stings that you're still feeling may rear its ugly head. And when it does, it's going to deny that it was your doing. So again, do it when you're actually over it. Don't do it that day. Don't do it the next day. Do it maybe a week later. Maybe it's two weeks later. But when you can look at it with clarity, when you sobered up from your emotion, now you can actually see the situation for how it is. 
So now when you replay it, I don't want you to, uh, I want you to firstly start off with what happened, not the emotion of what happened, not how you felt about what happened, but actually what happened. Imagine you're in a court and someone is saying, okay, well, Lisa Billu, what actually happened at 8.30 a.m.? You're not going to say, well, I felt like this. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear that you got up and went to the kitchen and made yourself a coffee. They then want to hear, right? So you see where I'm going with that. So facts, keep to the things that are not emotional. Replay the situation and write out what happened. Again, not how you felt. What did they say? What did you say? Okay, now you've got the script in front of you, replay what you would do differently when you're emotionally sober. So replaying it now that you're not in the moment, now that you're not emotionally entrenched in the trauma of what actually may be happening in that situation, you've taken a step out and now you're rewriting the script. What do you wish you had said? Now remember, you can't change what they said. So when I say you're rewriting the script, you're rewriting your script, not their script. So now beat by beat, what would I have said differently? Now you have a different script, but also not just what would you say differently? How would you interact differently? How would you show yourself differently? Are you getting angry? Did you get angry after the first thing that they said that gave you that trigger? If yes, then are you proud of how you acted? And is there something you could have said differently to what they said to you? Because you know how the, the, the original script plays out. You were there, you know how it plays out. So now what would you do differently? What are the things that you can identify of where you got triggered? So let me just take you where we up to now. You've become emotionally sober. You've written out the script of how it actually went down. You've rewritten the script of how and what you wish you had said differently. Now that you've written the script, what I want you to do with no judgment, I beg of you with no judgment, sit there and actually write down how you felt. So this is where the feeling comes in. How you felt during those conversation or during that conversation and really say where you started to feel heated. Like what was it that started to rustle your feathers? identify that. You know, when they said this, all right, mark that down. I got defensive. My face started to feel flushed. Like be so as specific as you possibly can. Because right now, guys, what we're doing is we're writing a game plan for your future self. So you have to be so detailed and honest about these things. So when they said this, I actually felt triggered. When they said that, it actually got me like I got really annoyed. Okay, so now you're starting to identify what is happening and where you're being triggered. Remember, I didn't say why, I just said where. So now, once you've done that throughout the whole script, now you go back through and you say why. Why that one comment where someone was like, you know, you're kind of being mean and it freaking triggered you. So you've put, yeah, it really bothered me. That was the first thing. Now, why? Maybe it's, when I was a kid, I was told this a lot and it was made to be a bad thing. Okay, again, this is no, no judgment, but just identify all the reasons why in that conversation and where you got triggered. Maybe someone said something that is a sore spot. Now that you've backed off and you're not in that emotional space and you see it black and white on the paper, maybe you can acknowledge that, wow, actually it wasn't them 
being cruel. It wasn't them being mean or whatever. Maybe it was, but let's just say, for example, it wasn't. Then you can identify, wow, actually, I did have a reaction here that wasn't actually aligned with what they said. Okay, now you can, you've just identified what was said, why it triggered you, and how you felt about it. And now you have the space to rewrite that script. You now can take with all the moments, all the, the, literally the dialogue, what happened, what the trigger was, how you felt. And now you can take all of that beautiful knowledge, and if you go through it and you're noticing that you're being, you're judging yourself, call it knowledge. Now you've gone through all that knowledge of how the conversation went, you can rewrite the script. Now the point of rewriting the script, guys, is so that next time this happens, next time someone else presses an emotional button, next time someone triggers you, you've got something to go back to because sometimes it's freaking hard to get out of your own way. Sometimes it's hard to get out of the emotion that you're in and see past it. So for me, having a pre-written script allows me to, in real time, when something is happening, it starts to go, oh, yep, this is that moment. And whereas before I may have said something that I definitely regretted, now I have better words to use in those moments. All right, that was a lot. And those were a lot of steps. But I'm going to be honest with you, if you really want to know, like if you want the no BS on how to actually not have an emotional reaction that doesn't serve you next time, if you want to know how to overcome your triggers, this is how I function. This is exactly what I did. It's not easy. It's a rinse and freaking repeat time and time again. And there are going to be moments where you think that you're on the path and you think, oh my God, I've got the hang of this. Yes, I'm the freaking emotionally sober freaking queen. And then you fall and you stumble and you you act differently in the next situation, you actually have an emotional reaction that you wish you hadn't, it's an evolution. You're never going to get it perfect. So reminding yourself every time you try to do it as a freaking badge of honor that you tried in the first place so that next time you just encourage yourself more and more. And like anything else, one of my favorite phrases, you know, from the movie Karate Kid is the wax on, wax off. This is all just practice, guys. You're never going to be perfect. But every time you're able to keep practicing emotional sobriety, every time the time frame hopefully just gets shorter and shorter of when you were triggered to did you have an emotional reaction, yes or no. And that's it. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I realized it within an hour. Sometimes it takes me a day. Other times I'm like, in the moment, I get it. And it's a wax on, wax off. Improve every day and be proud of yourself that you're freaking trying and showing up in the first place. How do I avoid making important decisions when in an emotional state? I know I should take a step back, but the emotions feel so real in the moment. Okay, what I freaking love about this is that you've actually answered your own question. I know I should take a step back. That's exactly what you need to do. You shouldn't be making decisions in an emotional state. So while I know the question was, how do I? The truth is you shouldn't be. Like if you're, emotion, if you're in an emotional state, by definition, you're acting on emotion. So what I think you are looking for is a two-parter is how do I step back when I'm in an emotional state because I need to make a decision? All right. Number one, how do I step away? That's such an important question. 
because like you said, the emotions feel so real. And I'm gonna be honest, I've never, ever figured out how to convince myself when I'm actually feeling a certain way that I shouldn't be feeling it. It feels freaking real. So no matter how much I try to coach myself through it, the feeling is real. So now that I know that, I just go, cool, I've just accepted that. Now what do I do so that I don't react, so that I'm actually not making decisions in those moments that later I'm going to regret? So I want to address how on earth you take a step back. Well, let's take different scenarios because sometimes it's going to be really easy and sometimes it's going to be freaking damn hard. So a scenario where, let's say, maybe you're in a room with your colleagues and boss or on Zoom or whatever. I will literally just say, I'm so sorry, I actually need to use the restroom. But what if you're in the middle of a presentation? What's worse, having an emotional response and being embarrassed and beating yourself up day after day afterwards because you're like, I can't believe I acted like that in front of my coworkers. Or everyone going, wow, she's got a weak bladder. Which one would you rather? I would rather people think I had a weak bladder. Like I really would. So I would just be like, I'm so sorry. I know this is the worst timing ever, but I have to just use the restroom, period. I just have to excuse myself. Like in hindsight, once I've looked back at the emotions I'm having in those moments, I cannot think about what I could do that would be worse than staying in that moment when I'm heated. I can't think of anything worse. So, hey, I've got a weak bladder, I need to pee. Okay. Hey, um, I've just stubbed my toe and it's really painful. Whatever. Like there are things and moments where even though you don't want to say something to leave the room, it's better than staying. And that's what I repeat to myself in those moments. I don't try and convince myself that I shouldn't be feeling the way that I'm feeling. That doesn't work. But I do make sure that I leave the room because like you said, I know I need to step away. I know how many times, what is it, Einstein's quote, definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. If you know you should step away and you know yourself and you know that every time you're there, you get really emotional and you can't help it but express yourself and you can't make clear decisions. That's amazing news because you know yourself. That's like the key number one, know thyself. And now you know yourself and you know that you currently currently are unable to emotionally soothe in those real moments of time the only solution i can suggest is to walk away stepping away is mandatory mandatory now here's the thing when you step away what do you do because this is the second part of what's so genius about stepping away because stepping away only to call your friend and them tell you what like yeah i can't believe it and they're like now fueling your frustration and your anger and your emotions well that doesn't serve you either so now you've done the amazing thing and stepped away but then you've just called that person that's only fueling the emotion you're trying to um simmer so you have to simmer the emotion how do you simmer the emotion Okay, here are some tools that you have to practice and see what is right for you. But for me, I walk away, I listen to music, and I'm alone. Those are key, key, key. But when I listen to music, guys, I don't listen to Sam Smith. I don't listen to Celine Dion. I don't listen to the music that's going to keep me in that emotional rut. You know, you've heard me earlier, I said about emotional sobriety. What on earth do you take? Do you I need a strong cup of coffee. That's what I need. And my strong cup of coffee is music. It's energized music. It's happy, feely, yay. You know, like even just see it as I'm talking about music, my whole body can't even help but move. 
something that lights your heart up. The song that when you listen to, you can't help but tap your foot, even when you're in a bad mood. I'm tapping my foot, you probably can't see it. Right, but like, what are you doing when you walk away? Music, be alone. And then sometimes guys, it's like, have something as a um, go-to for like desperate needs. So for instance, the silly thing, I'm do, I literally do things that just impact me. A cat versus dog video. Go on, YouTube it after this, of course. After you've watched this episode, go YouTube. Cat versus dog. They're so funny. You see this tiny little cat and this massive dog and the massive dog's afraid of the cat and it's taken over its bed. And the dog is like, right? I mean, it's just hilarious. So when you're feeling these emotional things, guys, I really do mean actively find the things that pull you out of it. I can't will myself to not feel it. I can't will myself to not feel it. So find the things that work for you, but you've got to practice. You've got to try new things. I've just mentioned a couple, but like something like, I don't know, like a latte from Starbucks. Like if that makes your heart sing for a minute, go do it. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. 
have a list, make a list, make sure you know what's on that list. So in those moments where you're feeling emotional, in those moments, you can go back to your cheat sheet. And then once you've emotionally calmed down, once you're now feeling like your true self again, you can then go, okay, what was the situation I was in and what was the decision I needed to make? And now you take back the opportunity that you just had, but you chose not to, to make a decision then, which is the right choice, by the way, in my opinion. Now you can go, okay, where was I? Oh, okay, here's the decision I need to make. And now I have clarity. Now I can see it with clear eyes and I'm not having my emotions impact that decision. But never, ever, ever, I'm telling you, I haven't seen any situation from my own experience where I made a decision that I was proud of making in an emotional state. So walk away and make the decision with clarity. How do you deal with jealousy in your relationship? All right, so let's talk about the emotion of jealousy, guys. This is a tricky one. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky because you, you can't control the other person. That's why it's tricky. You wish you could, right? And you wish you could tell them all the things that maybe trigger you, that trigger your jealousy in you, and everyone acts in accordance. But the truth is it's not that way. The truth is you can't control your partner, but you can control how you react to things your partner does. So for you, right now, identify the things that make you jealous. That's going to be key number one. And now this is a thing that may be a little controversial, but you know me guys, I just, I just want you to actually get the results. So BSing you doesn't help. Now I want you to look at all the things that make you jealous when you're not in the moment of jealousy, when everything's wonderful in your relationship, this is when you need to do it. And I beg of you, if you can do this with no judgment, this is where you'll see the real freaking growth. Write all the things down and then write, is this a me thing or a them thing? Because let's say, for instance, um, I have on my list, and I don't, but let's just say I do. Jealousy is when my partner likes another female's post on Instagram. Let's just say that's the thing that gets me jealous. All right, is that a me thing or a him thing? Is that a me being jealous or is he actually crossing the line of disrespect? Okay, well, there's actually another thing. What is that line in the first place? Have you written it out? Have you and your partner sat down and said, what are negotiables and what are non-negotiables in your relationship? So you thought I was about to go into jealousy, but now I'm actually going to take you into boundaries because you have to establish what the boundaries are in your relationship first. So that when things like this happen, have you articulated, is this a boundary you set and why? Have you articulated it to your partner and why? And are they ignoring your request or your agreement that you've made? That's going to be very important. So now let's go back to your partner likes a post on Instagram. I'm actually not jealous about my husband liking pictures on Instagram. And then all of a sudden I start to be like, hang on a minute. Well, hang on. Why is he liking that? This is a new person. I've never actually, this hasn't been jealousy before, but hang on, I'm actually seeing change in behavior. Let's just say that's the situation because we haven't had the discussion yet. So now I go, is this a him thing or a me thing? Well, I've never told him, hey, so you know, when you like other people's posts, it actually triggers in something inside me. I've never had that discussion. So why on earth would I start to think that all of a sudden something's happening? I haven't told him anything yet. So now 
I see that he's liking it. Okay, is that a me or him thing? I actually would say that's a me thing. Because why, why is him liking someone else's Instagram post making me feel jealous? What is that insecurity that I have that I have now equated someone liking a post with now they're having an affair or now they don't love me anymore or now they're not into me anymore, whatever dialogue you have in your mind, because we all know we have that negative dialogue that comes in. Why why are you feeling like that all of a sudden? Because here's the thing. Here is the thing when it comes to emotions. It's never black and white. It's never black and white. In fact, when was the last time you were hangry? Right? You're so hungry that you get angry. We all know that. We know it's a thing. We know it's a thing so much we've created the word. We've taken hungry and angry and mashed it together. So we know hangry is a thing. So if we know just by not eating, you get mad. Just by not eating, you can get mad. Now, when I'm talking about jealousy, and I'm talking about a situation where all of a sudden something sparks you, you can imagine why. It may not just be the fact that they liked someone else's post. It may be you're feeling insecure right now, and that's okay. There's literally no judgment when I say that. But you have to acknowledge it. Maybe you're having a really hard time at work and everything you try keeps failing and your boss isn't happy with you and so now you're feeling a little um, sensitive. And so now you see this post, so you're already insecure about other things that are happening in your life and now you see this and the emotion you're having over here with work, the insecurity has now spilled over into your relationship. All right, now you've just identified it. Let's say it's the time of the month. Hormones are real. Hormones are real. So let's actually just say for a minute, hormones are freaking real. Well, what part of my cycle makes me feel more insecure? I've done like so many interviews now of, with hormone doctors. And they literally explain in these interviews moments in your cycle that you should actually go and ask for the pay rise because you're going to be more confident than ever. And there are moments in your cycle that you shouldn't ask for that pay rise because you're going to feel so insecure that you're not going to be confident at all. And when you show up to ask for that pay rise, it's not going to be successful. So now, imagine, guys, when I'm talking about the emotion of jealousy on something that may be new, that all of a sudden you need to assess your own behavior. You need to assess where you are in life. Are you tired? Are you hungry? Did your partner actually do something three weeks ago that made you jealous, that you didn't acknowledge, and now that subconscious part of you is just waiting? So now you haven't said anything. They did something a couple of weeks ago. You're not saying anything, you're not saying anything, and then they do one little thing, and it hits you with jealousy, and now you're like, and you did this, and now the jealousy is just oozing out of all of your pores. You have to assess that as well. So when we are talking about jealousy in a relationship, I literally, the first thing I do is I start with myself, because I cannot control other people. Now, going back to boundaries, once you've assessed all of this, once you've assessed your behavior, Your partner is your partner for a reason. You both, hopefully, are in the relationship to create happiness together. Hopefully, your partner wants you to be happy and you want them to be happy. So, assess yourself, then come together with your partner and talk about it. 
but talk about it not in a blaming way, not in a finger pointing way, because immediately we all know when someone comes to you, when someone comes to you saying you did this wrong, what do you do? You immediately put walls up. So let's just give everyone else the same grace and know that when you come at someone and you say, hey, you did this, of course they're going to put their walls up. Now that we know that they're going to put their walls up, choose your language wisely. Don't say when you did this. That's just coming at them. Think about the language you can use, do the self-assessment, then bring them in and say, hey, look, when you did this, it actually set off a trigger in me. And this is why, this is what happened. And maybe it's not their fault. And maybe you're just trying to explain to them because that's also like, look, you didn't do anything wrong by liking that person's post, but it did do something inside me. And I don't like how jealous I felt. So right now, while I'm working, on my jealousy, for the service of our relationship, because I love you so much. Would you mind just not liking certain people's posts? Whatever it is, this is your, you know, your thing. And I've just made up the post thing, but whatever it is, would you mind, as I'm working on it, to not do it? Just for a week. It'd really mean a lot to me, and I'd really love to have your help on this. That is imperative. Bring them into the situation. Don't make it all their fault. Now look, I'm saying all this assuming they're not actually having an affair. Just to be very, like, put a fine point on that. Of course, if they're going off and they're being completely inappropriate, completely inappropriate, and it's bringing jealousy, I would pull them in and say, hey, this is not negotiable. The second you start kissing a woman on her neck or whatever it is, it's a deal breaker for me. And now it's not about being jealous. It's about owning where that line of respect is and where that line of disrespect is. And then articulating that to your partner because now they know where the line is. They can't see it, right? You feel it, but they can't see it. So together, come up with where that is. And now, if they keep doing it deliberately and they keep saying, well, this is your problem, this is your fault, and you see no effort in them trying to help you on this issue, actions speak louder than words. They're showing you time and time again that they're saying, this is on you. I don't freaking care. This is your problem. Well, is that really a partnership you want to be involved in? Because let me tell you, if my husband came to me with a problem that is his, it's his triggers, but he's asking me to help, I would welcome him and like, well, of course, babe, come here, come here, of course. That's what partnership is. And then you help them, you work together to help them get past it. Because let me tell you, jealousy doesn't serve a relationship. I'm just going to say that. There's, to me, there's no room for jealousy in a relationship. So you have a choice. Either acknowledge it, have your partner help you overcome it. Acknowledge it, tell them they're crossing the boundary and then work with them to establish that boundary or identify that the jealousy is actually very warranted and they are totally disrespecting you and that is what you need to address so that you don't feel jealous again and you can now just see their actions and are they acting in accordance with the, with the conversation and relationship and um, agreement you guys had? And if they're not time and time again, then they're showing their true colors and they're just showing you that they're not willing to work as hard as this relationship as you are. And now you just ask yourself, is that a relationship you want to be a part of? Yes or no? And then act accordingly. 
I don't like showing my emotions and usually bottle them up to avoid feeling them. How do I start to feel safe with my emotions again and let myself feel them? All right, this is where I get a little serious for a moment. I really believe in therapy. I really, I've had way too many therapists on my show to not understand they bring so much, finding the right one brings so much value. So when you say I need to start feeling safe, that actually triggered something in me that made me not know the details enough. So I will give you some advice, but honestly guys, right now, I wanna make sure that no one ever feels shame, embarrassment, or any type of emotion around seeking help. If I broke my ankle and I didn't go to the doctor and I was hobbling around going, it's fine, it's fine. You would think I was ridiculous, right? You'd be like, are you joking? You need to heal your bone. Of course you have to go to the hospital so that they can take an x-ray and put a cast on it. But when it comes to mindset, when it comes to emotion, when it comes to how we feel, we don't think of it as the same. But I do, like I'm really, really trying to speak up about that more and more. So in saying all this, please, like I really do want to encourage people that if you don't feel safe with your emotions, please seek somebody who can actually help you get through that. All right, now in saying that, I'm gonna give you a little example of how I did exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So, I'm growing up, I'm in my teens, I meet my husband, we talk, we get to know each other. After more and more discussions, he starts saying things to me like, you're not like every other woman I've met. You don't really get emotional. Huh, interesting, I cry more than you do. Like he actually said that to me. And then eventually that turned into a joke. And the joke was that I was dead inside. And I used to laugh and I used to giggle. It actually comes from a Friends episode where they joke that Chandra is dead inside. So it started from a fun thing. And then it kept going. And then every time we were in situations or in movies or at a funeral and everyone around me is crying and I wasn't, we would joke, well, you know, I'm dead inside. Now over time, over time, it started to bother me. It started to like really weigh on me. It's like, why is it weighing on me? Because I don't judge myself, I just ask why. And I realized that what I was saying is that I'm, I'm not emotional. I'm saying that I don't feel things. I don't feel happy, I don't feel compassion, I don't feel love, right? That's really what dead inside is. And I was like, it doesn't align with how I, who I am. And so I realized, number one, I was using language that was detrimental to how I was feeling and my mindset. So I had to recognize that. And immediately I had to go, wow, me saying I'm dead inside and using it as a joke actually now is hurting me, not helping me. So I said to my husband, hey, can you stop saying this? Because it's actually not true. I do have emotion. I love, I, you know, I get sad. I just don't externally show it. And so it was important to not be seen as a robot. Like I want him to know that I'm feeling the emotions. So that was step number one. And then step number two is I had to start looking at why. Why don't I cry with no judgment? But in all honesty, when I see other people crying at things and I'm not, I do ask myself, like, but I feel sad, but th this isn't like this. My eyes aren't computing with my heart. And I never thought twice about it. I actually was like, yeah, that's great. That way I'm not like crying in a meeting with, you know, these other people. And, you know, when I'm in a room, full, which has happened at Quest, when I was in a room full of men and I'm the only female, you better believe I'm telling myself, don't cry, Lisa, don't cry. So part of me was kind of proud. But then I realized it wasn't serving me. 
And so I started to change the language and then I asked myself why. So with no judgment, I started to backtrack. And everything you'll hear in this episode, guys, is everything is in hindsight. I can only assess why I acted the way I did once I look back without the emotion. So I start playing back all the times in my life where crying was an issue. And there was two things that stuck with me, two powerful freaking things. And I only reckon, realized this like maybe a couple of years ago. And I've been doing mindset stuff for a long time because I asked myself, why? So I started going back. All right, I remember a time when it came to crying, when I was probably around eight or nine, I was quite young, my parents had divorced. And I remember, clear as freaking day, me walking into the room, so my parents had divorced, nine-year-old Lisa, whatever, walks into a room and there's my mom. And I remember time and time again, her wiping away her tears as soon as I would walk into the room. And I remember saying, Mommy, you okay? Oh, of course I'm fine. I'm okay, darling. Now, God bless my mum. I think she's probably watching this video. Of course, I understand why she did it. As a parent, I can actually understand why you wouldn't want your nine-year-old daughter to see you upset. You only want to bring joy and love to her life. But when I look back now, what it was subconsciously doing to me, I didn't realise it at the time, but what it was subconsciously doing to me was saying, we've got to be strong when other people are around. I don't want other people to see me upset because it will have an impact on the person seeing me upset. We need to hide our emotions, all these things, subliminal messaging. She didn't mean to, but when I look back now, I remember that. If you're fed up of people constantly pushing you around, ignoring your boundaries and just disrespecting you left, right and centre, then it's time to finally stop letting people walk all over you and start actually standing up for yourself, my homie. Because trust me, I've been there staying silent and living a life I never actually wanted for myself, but lacked the confidence to do anything about it. But I was able to go from someone who settled and lacked all the confidence in herself to someone who comfortably commands respect and guys and my homie even with the fears the doubts and uncertainty you can finally go after what you freaking want in life set boundaries speak up show up fight imposter syndrome and stop people pleasing and i break down how to actually do this step by step in my book radical confidence and when you pre-order your copy of radical confidence right now today guys you can get a free gift valued at 171 dollars, which includes my ultimate guide to radical confidence which is a workbook that you actually can work through as you're reading my book three months ad-free listening to women of impact on podcast and one hour exclusive relationship coaching session with me and my hubby of 21 years, Tom. So, my homie, if you go and pre-order this book right now, you get all of those things for utterly free, which has been valued at $171. So go over to radicalconfidence.com to pre-order your copy right now. That's radicalconfidence.com. See you there, my homie. Let's freaking go. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And so I go, okay, that's probably where it started. I idolized my mom. 
I still do, mum. And I see that I was taking the impression and the messaging from her that crying will make other people uncomfortable, that crying shouldn't be seen by others. So I took that upon myself. Second memory I have, I was 14 years old, roughly. My great uncle died, passed away. He was the first person in my immediate family to pass away. So I wasn't used to going to a funeral. I wasn't used to like being around that type of environment. And I remember this clear as day. I go to the funeral and every woman around me, every, not even women, in fact, everyone around me is freaking bawling here. Bawling, crying. All these people that I looked up to, because I was the youngest in my family, all my cousins, all my, my siblings, everyone's older than me. So I, feeling like the young one, right? Looking up to these people that normally are the strongest freaking people. When I was a kid, I would turn to them and they're all broken. And I remember going, fuck, if they're all broken, who's there for them? And I remember saying to myself, you're gonna be Lisa. So here I am, now in my forties, and I still have it. So now I've identified where all the emotions come from. And now I ask myself, I know where it now has stemmed from. Does doing that still serve me? Because let me tell you, if right now holding back on emotions serves my dream, serves the person I want to be, makes me feel great about myself, then I'll do it. But the truth is, it doesn't make me feel great about myself. Like what you said in this question, you're bottling it up and just like anything, it will overflow. And does it serve me? No. I'm standing here in front of you guys, talking about owning your emotions and how much me owning my emotional, you know, drunkenness in the past and me handling my emotions, all of everything that I'm saying. How can I stand here in front of you guys and pretend that I got all my shit together and pretend that this isn't a real issue in my life? So here we are right now. We've assessed my actions. I look back in the past, I want you to do this with me guys. Assess what you're holding back. Assess where, it, in fact, get a pen and paper out, write it down. And then I want you to write, go back in time and where did it come from? Where did these moments come up for you? And then what was happening in those moments? All right, so now we've done the past test, right? We've done the past work, the past homework to assess where it comes from. But now it's future facing. What am I gonna do differently next time? How do I unwind this? So I go back, I know where it's come from. I know why I did it, but it didn't happen overnight, right? I just said, I went all the way back from childhood, from like the age of seven. And now I'm 42. So imagine all these years that I've taken that with me. So homie, give yourself the freaking grace right now that you're not gonna have it all together, that even with everything I'm saying, it's not gonna happen tomorrow. Give yourself the freaking grace that you know that the problem exists and give yourself a freaking pat on the back that you're doing everything now, future facing, to unwind it. Just don't expect it overnight. And now put a plan in place. My book, Radical Confidence, is all about freaking putting a plan in place because sometimes you really, as much as I would like, you can't help feel the way you do. And so the point being is you need a stepping stone, you need a plan of action so that when you find yourself in these moments, 
You know what to do. And so that's what I did. I was like, okay, in moments of sadness, what's the language I'm using in my head? Be tough, Lisa, be tough, be tough. They need you, be tough. All right, now I know. But what am I going to use next time? What's the wording? What's the words I'm going to say in my head? How are you feeling, Lisa? Are you okay? That's what I've changed it to. Just giving myself the grace, step by step, day by day, to unwind this thing of me holding back my emotions. And maybe that isn't the problem that you guys are facing right now. And maybe it's something else. But the takeaway being so freaking powerful is whatever that is, giving yourself the freaking grace to get there over time, to put the working, put a plan in place, and then every day make incremental steps to get there. It may take a year, it may take five years, but are you waking up tomorrow doing what you said you would do in the plan that you had put in place, the plan you put in place to address the problem that you're finding yourself in in the first place? And if the answer is yes, that you did one small, minute, tiny little freaking thing to work towards that goal of having emotional sobriety and not bottling things up, pat yourself on the back, guys. It's not about being perfect. In fact, I want you to stop right now. Stop right now. Think for a second. Who's one person that is perfect? You can't think of anyone because it doesn't exist. So now, now that we know perfection doesn't exist, let go of it and now turn your attention and your energy into am I doing the incremental steps day by day to overcome this emotional problem that I'm having? And if that exists, hell yes, feel it. Be proud of it. How do I stay calm and remain loyal during arguments? Oh, oh my God, this question, it hit me so hard. How do I remain loyal? Woo. All right. This is a tricky one, guys. This is a tricky one. In the argument with my husband, we've all been there, right? The argument's so heated and you've got that thing in your head that you're like, if I say this right now, if I say this one tiny little thing, it's going to sting them enough to shut them up. It's going to sting them enough to say, don't hurt me like that again. Because let's say they just said something that's hurt you and you've got that sting ready and you're waiting. If they say this, I'm going to throw it at them because it's a defensive mechanism, right? In those moments, you wanna protect yourself. And in those moments, you may wanna just shut them up because what they're saying is actually really freaking hurtful. I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, never, ever do it, ever. Now, here's the thing. I can't control what the other person says to me, but you better freaking believe that I'm never gonna lower myself to their level. So if someone says something to me that is upsetting and it's in the middle of an argument, I, I've told myself that rule. So everything's before. So what I do before is I write a list of rules. It's called the Lisa rules for now. They're my rules, <laughs> write your own. My rules are never lower yourself to their level. Rule number one, 
And now I know I have a guide. Everything's a, a rule book, guys. Everything's a plan beforehand. So that's going to be one. Never lower myself to their level. All right. So then the next one is when someone offends me, or let's say it's my husband again, if he says something that's hurtful, well, how am I going to respond? So I've already said I'm not going to lower myself and throw that thing at him. But how am I going to respond? Because you even said, how do I stay calm? That's also very difficult. Sometimes you just have to walk away. And I know, guys, some people hate it when I say walk away. Some people want to deal with it in the moment. And you're going to have to assess how you're feeling and what feels right to you. But know thyself. Know thyself. I know I can be a hothead. I know that about me. Pretending doesn't serve me. So I just admit I'm a hothead. And I know that that means I better freaking walk away before I break my number one rule, which is throw something and lower yourself to their level. I know that's where I'll get to if I'm not able to walk away. Now, what if you can't walk away? I hear you guys saying that. What if you can't walk away, Lisa? What are the things in those moments you're going to do to um, emotionally equalize? When you're emotionally equalizing, I have phrases that I say to myself. I have to repeat them over and 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 over again in the moment. I have to drown out the emotion that I'm feeling with another thought. And so when I'm with my husband and we're in an argument and it's really freaking heated and I'm not sure if I can stay calm and I'm worried he's going to say something that may then trigger me to then throw something at him and then I ruin my first wall. In those moments, the magic phrase I use, whatever phrase works for you, but this is the magic phrase and the thinking that I say to myself, does he love you? Does he love you? Does he want good things for you? And the truth is, if I don't know that, then there's a problem in my relationship. Then I'm better freaking address it. I actually don't know if he loves me or if he really cares about me. But if the answer, and if the answer is no, well, then you shouldn't really be in the relationship. But you hope the answer is yes. And in those moments, when my husband and I are feeling really annoyed at each other and we're having a real-time argument, and I really am trying to stay calm and everything he's saying is getting me wound up more and more and I can feel the blood boiling. I literally, guys, I repeat, I almost like don't even hear what he's saying anymore. It's like that thing where it's like you're kind of underwater and you can't actually hear the words. It's that. Because I'm already hot-headed. And so like the, the, the boiling of the blood actually kind of like weirdly enough like makes me like go internally. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about or not. But the point being, is that I remind myself over and over in those moments, does he love you, does he care? Does he love you, does he care? Does he love you, does, do, does he care? Do you want, does he want you to be happy? All these things, because if I keep saying yes, 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 and I really believe it, then now I can say, then he isn't meaning to be cruel. He doesn't mean to upset me. He doesn't mean to be mean, spiteful, whatever word or emotion I'm feeling in that moment. So if he doesn't mean to, and I don't mean to with him, how do we now de-escalate the argument? And then you come up with tips and tools between you on how you actually de-escalate that argument. Now, me and my husband have a couple. One that I'll just throw out here is I bought these little love coins and they're literally a pathetic little coin that like cost us like a dollar or something. And it says love on it. And it's tiny. And I used to keep it in my purse whenever we would go out. And we basically, before we would go out, or basically when I first got those coins, 
we established what they meant. And the coin meant that in the middle of an argument, when I give you this coin, it means I love you so much. And whatever you're feeling or thinking right now, please remember this. And that was it. It was a coin that said I, that love on it. And we agreed on what they meant. So one of the times we got into an argument and we're at a restaurant, you guys know, you're out. And so it's like, why are we wasting our time arguing? And when we've got this wonderful dinner that we could be enjoying or whatever, wherever you are. So we carry them with us. I keep it in my purse. We're sitting at dinner and, and we get into an argument. And so I remembered the agreement we had that we would use these coins to remind each other of how we felt. And so I went into my purse as we're having this argument because I committed to it. Remember, everything is before the emotion. So even though I'm like, I don't want to freaking give him this, this coin, right? You go like, you're annoyed. Then I don't want to give him the bloody coin. But I made the decision that I would. We promised each other that whoever thought of it first would give the other person the coin. So here I am, pull out the coin, slip it across the table. Still feeling annoyed, but slipping it across. And he just looks at me and smiles. He says, I love you too. Boom, there you go. Stayed calm. Neither of us crossed the line. We were still very loyal. We didn't use each other's vulnerabilities against each other. That's so freaking key and that's where I started. That thing that you know about them, that thing that you know is going to sting them and shut them up. The vulnerability that you can throw back at them is easy, but don't ever do it. Guys, you can't take it back. I'm actually getting chills. You can't freaking take it back, guys. No matter how many times you say sorry, no matter how much you apologize, that thing that they trusted you with, that vulnerability, and vice versa, let's actually put yourself in it, because now you know how it feels. You told your partner something so, so deep and vulnerable. You shared it with them. You trusted them with it. And here you are in this ridiculous argument that maybe you find yourself in. Maybe it's not ridiculous, but most of them sometimes, let's face it, it's just like you can't believe that you spent four hours arguing about that thing. And now imagine you get in a heated argument and you say something that upset them. You didn't mean to, but you say something that's upset them. And then they throw that thing you trusted them with at you. How would you feel? You would feel like they just betrayed you. You would feel like they just crossed the line of trust. You would feel that they just went for the low blow. That man, if this person who I love just used something very triggering on me on purpose, they know that this is a thing, can I trust them in the future? Right? So now you can see on the flip side where you never, ever want to do that to them, even if they do it to you. Who is the person you want to be? And do you show up every single day and act in accordance to that person? Yes or no? I never want to be the person that will ever use someone's vulnerability against them, period. I've just made that statement loud and freaking clear to myself. So it really doesn't matter how much people come at me. They like, come at me, bruh. It doesn't matter. You say whatever you want because I know what person I want to be. And I want to be the person that you can trust your vulnerability to. And even in the worst freaking times, I'm the person that doesn't use it back. So you've got to make the commitment. You've got to make the, um, the demands of yourself as well as your partner of how you're going to freaking show up in those moments. All right. So hopefully those were some very concrete tips on how the hell you stay calm when you're having an argument. Choose a little love coin or whatever you want is your version of it. If you can't work, walk away, that's a good tip. 
And then how to remain loyal, do all the work, do all the internal work, do all the work with your partner. And I I guess it's not necessarily a partner, maybe it's a friend, but do the work with your friend. Do the work and consistently show up every day trying to do the work to the best of your ability. Be the person you can be proud of. Be the person you can be proud of, even if sometimes you slip up, even if sometimes you're not calm. Be the person that keeps trying and keeps wanting to do good. Because guys, let me tell you, you're not going to get it right all the time. You really aren't. But if you keep trying and it's in your heart to really try and cultivate this skill set, keep going. You got this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.